fellow grievers, today you have reached Season 3, Episode 21 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations Podcast, and I'm Melissa, your host. Today is a down-the-rabbit-hole episode, and I'll be honest, I don't even exactly remember what my original topic for today was, because midway through this week, I knew that I would be talking about something else. That said, I hope you'll grant me the first couple of minutes to kind of unpack the reason why I'm going to talk about are we too sensitive, meaning are we too sensitive as grievers? I know that probably just like me, you've experienced people that maybe now think you're a bit too sensitive about things or that everything can make you sad. And first of all, I want you to know you're not alone. That happens to a lot of us. But I'm just hoping that you'll indulge me through this first few minutes um, so that I can get to where I want to go with this discussion today. So for me, this is at the top of my mind because this week in the United States, we experienced a mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 21 innocent people lost their lives. Two of them were teachers trying to protect their classrooms. 19 fourth graders, ages 9 through 11, were tragically, suddenly, and senselessly killed at the hands of an 18-year-old gunman bearing a semi-automatic rifle. So... The pause feels an awful lot like the hundreds of pauses I think I've taken this week. Because what's happened for me in the wake of this shooting, and kind of often in the wake of these shootings that are occurring way too often in our country, I find my heart is so easily torn open at the loss of life especially when I put myself in the place of parents losing their children. And I'm sure that for you, if you're listening and you have lost a brother or a friend or a parent or a spouse, the same thing happens to you when you put yourself in someone else's shoes on that level. So this week, in the wake of others' devastating loss, the result for me has been that I've been preoccupied with a broken heart. And no, not just my own broken heart, but I think having a heart that's been shattered on the level that mine has been makes me more susceptible to other people's heartbreak. It makes me more empathetic. And I've actually done some reading, and this is going to take me around to what I wanted to talk about today. But I've done some reading before in my studies on empathetic emotion and how loss and trauma and hard things that happen to us make us more altruistic versus egoistic or to make that super simple. It makes us more selfless versus selfish. And it's all a brain based thing. But it's not an accident that we are wired the way we are. And that from great hardship comes an ability to see things in a different way. 
And then I would say from there comes the ability to do things in a different way. And now more than ever in this country that I live in, the United States of America, now we need empathy. We need people that can step forward and be change makers. And one of the changes that I see that has to be made, that's been highlighted all over the news this week is, I mean, I just have to tell you, Griever, it's under my skin to hear the way, and I'll just say the media, because it's not necessarily any better depending on which media you listen to. It just seems to be something that's happening everywhere right now, where the phrase mental health is being substituted for mental illness. And why does that bother me? Well, I'll tell you why. Because living in the world of suicide loss and the world of suicide in general, obviously, we encounter the idea of mental illness and our mental wellness and mental health all the time. Um, Those are not the same thing. It would be like saying physical health means the same thing as cancer or means the same thing as any other disease or ailment. Mental health is essentially the category and mental illness is obviously, you know, a label for conditions outside of the normal mental health. In other words, there is mental wellness or mental health And underneath it, there's categories, there's categories of mental wellness, that's good. There are categories of mental illness. And within there, there's all sorts of different deviations of what types of mental illnesses and ailments can occur, correct? So to just say, what happened this week in Uvalde, Texas happened because of mental health is misleading. And it, in my opinion, it feels like it's contributing to the stigma because what you're hearing is lots of people talk about mental health using the words mental health. And then they follow it with things like crazy and madman and criminal. And what I'll also tell you is that just because someone has a mental illness doesn't make them those things either. They may not be a madman. They may not be a criminal because we have mental illness, we've got to stop just putting the negative labels with it that that sit right next to it that make us all think that if you're mentally ill, you're somehow bad. And so I hope that I'm conveying what's in my heart accurately. But it's just sitting with me so wrongly that we're using such a broad term to equal a criminally insane person, because mental health doesn't equal someone that's not right. And our mental health is, you know, it's supposed to be a pair with our physical health, we're supposed to treat the two equally, we don't and we know that that's part of the battle. And that's part of what we need to, to fight the battle for is to bring equality and reduce the stigma and increase the accessibility for mental health care so that we can better treat mental illness so that we can reduce the instances of things like suicide and homicide, and that we can just be better cared for as a human race. So do I think that I get more fired up about these things 
than I would if I hadn't lost my son to suicide? Yeah, I do. Do I think I get sadder and I'm more affected and I cry more easily? Yeah, I do. I think those things go hand in hand. I will tell you that I feel like I have a choice on how I respond to some of those things. Now, that said, I don't necessarily always have a choice when I'm overwhelmed by the emotion, but I have a choice at how I respond after I get through the feeling of that emotion. So I could choose to just sit in it, to let it make me sad to the point that I don't want to do anything, to the point that I'm discouraged about life and human character. And I mean, I'll take it there where I could even wonder what the point is of living. I honestly can see where this can get people to that place if they choose to let it. Now, I'm not saying dismiss your feelings because I don't dismiss mine. I have spent some time crying this week. I've spent time talking with my husband about all of the things we're hearing on the news and the human condition and all of these terms that I talked to you about with that are that's making me mad the mental health versus mental illness debate the the fact that they're so quickly wanting to blame the mentally ill as if they're all as if everybody that has a mental illness is criminal all these things that I'm hearing could take me down a path of, I mean, we could just say, you know, could take me into a depression of sorts. But what I do is instead, I choose to work through the feelings, I choose to discuss it with my husband, I choose to sit and cry if if it's making me really sad, instead of stifling it or pushing it back and telling myself it's not necessary. I allow myself to have those emotions, I allow myself to feel them. And then I move forward. I moved to a place of letting those emotions fire me up and create hope. And once the hope is there, once something has created that hope, I find that inspiration isn't very far behind. And from inspiration often comes motivation. So in the wake of these tragedies, in the wake of all of the tragedy, of all of the unexpected, tragic loss that we've experienced, I find myself wanting to do something to make a change. So I come on here, and I dialogue. And I hope to have conversations in the near future about some of these topics again, I will probably reach out to every town for gun safety again and see if I can get them on to do an updated episode talking about how people can get involved. I hope to have somebody on from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to talk specifically about their fairly new um, demand more for mental health initiative. Um, they do great work anyway, but they have this brand new campaign called Demand. Well, it's not brand new, but it's pretty new called Demand More for Mental Health. And I might even look for somebody from somewhere like Active Minds who deals specifically with mental health and prevention on campuses. But that's how I plan to get involved right now. And if I can find, you know, a march to get involved in, um, or a walk 
in my area, whether it's for prevention, awareness, but something to bring mental health and gun safety and all of these things that are on my heart right now, anything I can do to participate, anything I can do to stimulate somebody else to participate, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to say we have to be a part of the solution or we're a part of the problem. I, of course, am also going to continue to be there for suicide loss grievers on every level that I'm able to be. I'm going to continue to grow the community. I'm going to continue to write books. I'm going to continue to do the things that put a voice out there that help bring awareness to suicide loss and suicide grief and mental health and mental illness and all of the things that we need to spend more time talking about in order to really make a change and move the needle where it needs to be moved so that far less people's loved ones die in a sudden, tragic, and untimely manner. So if you or anyone you know would like to have a conversation or would like to have a dialogue, please reach out to me and see about being on season four of the podcast. Believe it or not, we're only a few episodes from wrapping up season three. And then I will take all of July as a break. I will put out some content throughout that month so that there are still episodes to be listened to. But I won't be releasing any new conversations in July in preparation for season four, which will launch on August 7th, which this year coincides with the anniversary of the loss of my son Alex to suicide six years ago. I plan to release a special episode for that first one. And then from there, we'll launch into a whole new season of new conversations and new ways to look at topics surrounding suicide loss and the grief that follows. And I try to keep my demands low. I try to be a low maintenance podcast host, but I have two favors to ask you if you've listened this far. If you have not rated and reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcast, please, please consider doing that so that you will help other people find the podcast more easily. And secondly, please go check out my website, it's at just theleftoverpieces.com. Again, it's theleftoverpieces.com. I'm very proud of it. I feel like there's a lot of information on there. I hope it's laid out as simply as I've intended it to be. Not only will you find links to the support groups that I hold on Zoom, but you will find a page full of resources, including other podcasts, organizations, and books that I recommend, and much more. And if you're so inclined, I would love your feedback after you've taken a look at it. And as always, I will hold you and your loved ones in my heart and in my thoughts. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.